Long time no speak. Good heavens, is that tinsel jockey Cosgrove? <laughs> I'm very festive of you. Ah, uh, you may call me Santa for the rest of the episode, if you please. <laughs> oh, here we are. We're back. We are recording again. Uh, just a shy half year after the last one. Uh, yeah, apologies to everybody who's just opened up their podcast app. <gasps> What's that? Um, and well done for leaving us in there. Um, yeah. And I do let everybody know who unsubscribed that, you know, we're back. Well, <laughs> hang on. Leave it half an hour and decide whether it's worth telling them <laughs> that we're back. Yeah. Yeah. T- dip your toes in the ocean and see. The ocean of podcasting nonsense. <laughs> there we go. A subtitle already. <laughs> uh, 40,000 leagues under the shenanigans. Let's go. Right. So- well, I mean, traditionally at this point, I would say, <laughs> what are you writing with and all? But it, the show now is completely different, CJ. You've completely it's confused all... an old man. It's different. I'm letting well, you technically, drive here. <laughs> you did this. So you you had a, a document where you kind of, what is important? What do we want to do? And you threw out some new titles and I took them verbatim and I threw them into this document, ignoring all our previous ones. Um, but like we can have a little bit of a, a jazzy sort of preamble, I think, before we get into the, the meat of the episode, because there is, you know, bits and pieces. I'm sure we've been we can't summarize six months of writing and reading and watching and stuff. So we're just going to, I think, do the highlight reel. OK, this is the Christmas bottle episode where we just kind of like rehash the things that worked. Splendid. Well, uh, it hit me with it. I mean, what have you been up to? <laughs> I have had a really, really nice, busy, but introspective and productive six months uh, of being a new father of dealing with work and studies and grief and all various kinds of things some good some bad i think on the whole more positive than negative even though there's been some big negatives but it's just trying to find that balance and i don't think you ever really find it i think you just kind of find an equilibrium that's a threshold that's fine for a while mm-hmm. um but certainly I have felt more balanced, I think. I'm, I'm learning that I definitely have a capacity, and I think I've talked about this before. I have a capacity for what I can do, and I normally run in excess of that, doing too much mm-hmm. at once. And being aware of that and doing something about it are two distinct things. So I think sort of pausing the podcast was doing something about it, and, and it did help. I did feel like I had more room to breathe and actually focus on things and i think part of me expected to be like yeah i could i could not do that again but i really i really missed talking to you that was the biggest thing like the podcast is great and i enjoy sharing with everyone but most of all i enjoy talking with you and i felt like we without the lens and without the structure of the podcast are <laughs> are sort of Info blasts back and forth got shorter and shorter and, and wider gaps between because we didn't have that structure to be like, what are you doing? What do you, what, you know, the way we talk to each other and the way we share is so strange and non-standard that I think without it, it takes a lot more effort to be like, tell me the pencil you're writing with this week. <laughs> <laughs> it's well, really specific. I mean, probably the first conversation longer than five minutes we ever had, we recorded. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a friendship on tape. That's, but... Yeah, that's the nature. Of it, it? <laughs> it's great, and I I did really really miss it. And there was times when I think I could have used your sage experience. Going, 
I'm being <laughs> well nonsense now, Cosgrove. Stop it. <laughs> well, more more, I'm being super TJ about this, and I really need someone that's not TJ to come in and go. Um, have you thought about not doing that? Um, which my wife is okay at, but whenever I start talking about incredibly complicated um, pencil things or you know just a rabbit hole of of nonsense, she tends to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. And go do something more productive. Uh, whereas you you actually indulge me. So for your sins, uh, it's it's your problem and your fault. <laughs> well, I mean, talking of rabbit holes of nonsense. Um, mm. Well, uh, th- what a show note. It starts, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know how this is going to work, show notes for you. But the one in front of me um, has, has the title Memento Vivere. Which is mm-hmm. well, you, you know, so it's a bit sort of stoic, isn't it? Uh, mm-hmm. And then you must die. Therefore, remember to live. Blimey! I'm thinking, oh, this is a bit serious. TJ's <laughs> clearly gone into some sort of black hole of <laughs> considering death. And then, in big black bold letters, it says, "Moment of joy." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So bear with me, folks. I have no idea what's going on. I'm just going to roll with it. Yeah. Well, you know what? So the listeners are doing the same. So we'll we'll roll with it. I have a really, I think it's a really interesting story that kind of sparked my topic for this episode, which is Memento Vivere, which is Memento Mori. It's that kind of the the intrinsic bicameral two-sided coin that is that Latin phrase and all the stoic meaning behind it. But it happened... Not so long ago, about ooh, October time, mm-hmm. and I was in Edinburgh for the first ever time. We'd gone on a little trip, uh, my wife and my daughter and myself, we'd gone on a little trip just for a few days, just to get out of the house, just to kind of, you know, we dealt with a lot of stuff this year. Um, my father passed away, my grandfather passed away, lots of things happened, and it was nice to have some some sort of close family time and just get my head out of everything I'm in and mm-hmm. go somewhere different. Right, so we went to Edinburgh. Place to go. Yeah, and and I'd never been. Meg had been before a long time ago. I had never been, and it was on our list of things that it's so close. So for perspective, uh, Scotland and Northern Ireland are about one-tenth of an Irish sea apart at certain points. It's a very, very short crossing. And for us to fly from Belfast to Edinburgh is 35 minutes. Mm. It is so short. Uh, so much so that the plane doesn't really fly so much as take off and land again sequentially. It's kind of, there's no in-between bit. For so sure. we flew over and we were there for three days, three nights, four days. And we were staying in a really nice, like, apart hotel type thing just underneath Edinburgh Castle. Okay. And we had a lovely couple of days, you know, walking, going and seeing all the stuff that's there. It's such a beautiful city. It's such an old city. and mm-hmm. And it's kind of... It's more English than London in the sense that it's that kind of what people think of when they think of old Harry Potter-esque Victorian kind of cities. Um, but it's got its own very authentic, very, very proud Scottish heritage. So it's, it's brilliant. It's an amazing place. And you know better than I do what it's like. But we wandered around and we saw this stuff. And I always find this whenever I'm traveling, whenever I'm somewhere new, I get sort of a little introspective and a little bit contemplative about things. and. In the last 10 years or so, that certainly normally meant stoicism or some form of that and reading around the philosophy of that. And one of the things I've been reading about was memento mori, which is a Latin phrase that means remember you will die. And it was very in vogue in sort of the 
ooh, 16th, 18th centuries to kind of have it on your gravestone and be a big thing. Like, remember, you'll die. So therefore, be pious, live well, do good, that kind of thing. And it's kind of framing your life against the end of it. Therefore, giving more meaning to the, the bit when you're you know able to do stuff. And we've been walking around and I've been thinking about Memento Mori and I kind of know a little bit about it. I've read some stuff and I thought I'll just go back and refresh. This was, I think, 11 p.m. I couldn't get to sleep. Pulled up my phone, pulled up Wikipedia, the best place to go for the first source of information, and just went on to the Memento Mori article on Wikipedia, which you can do. I'll put it in the show notes. You can do this now. And just scrolling through and it, like, oh, yeah, I know that. And that's interesting and that's cool. And there was one image in particular that it just grabbed me as soon as I saw it. It was really, it wasn't even that special or interesting, but for whatever reason, in that moment, it grabbed me and I had to read the caption. And then if you click through, you go to Wikimedia, you see the contents and where the photo came from all this. And it was a picture of a gravestone, a headstone. And it was a skull and a single, I think it's maybe a femur bone or something, but engraved on this old looking stone. That's really interesting. That's good. And memento mori above it. That's good. That's interesting. And for some reason, that that imagery, that that single image was just, do you know, something just catches your attention, catches your focus. I thought that's really interesting. I wonder. I just clicked in and clicked into this photo, went to the metadata below, you know, taken on this date uh, a couple of years ago, and it's in St. Cuthbert's Church. Okay. Now, I don't know an awful lot about churches. St. Cuthbert's Church clicked on the link. Huh. So it turns out, the one time, the first time I'm ever in Edinburgh, I took a notion, randomly, having not been in any graveyards or near any churches or anything like this, to search Memento Mori on Wikipedia. I found an article. In that article was a photograph that piqued my attention beyond everything else in that article. And that photograph is of a headstone in a churchyard of a church that is 0.7 miles from where I'm sleeping right now in Edinburgh. (laughs) Which, I mean, some people will say, "Eh, whatever, not a thing. I don't believe in any kind of spiritual connotation of that, but there's some sort of beautiful cosmic serendipity there where there is no other time in my life where I could go and see this other than this time. And I happen to be able to find it in that time. So there's something, there's some statistical thing happening there. So the next day, <laughs> good morning, my beautiful wife and, and daughter. Um, Honestly, I am suffering, Mrs. C. <laughs> I have a stunning, fantastic idea. Post-breakfast this morning, in fact, I think it was actually pre-breakfast, so we didn't even have coffee at this point. Uh, I have a really good idea. Um, there's this damp graveyard. I want to traipse around it and take a photo of a grave. Right. Okay. <laughs> and to her credit, my wife was very supportive and said, okay, sure, we'll do that. And so we did. And we walked the 0.7 miles up the road, barely, barely out of the hotel to this uh, this church and into the graveyard. And it's a very, very old graveyard. So certainly I don't know about everything, but a lot of the graves there are hundreds of years old. So it's not like there's necessarily many families visiting or anything. It's not the same as a, a more recent graveyard where there were people consistently being buried. This is very old in, in the middle of Edinburgh. And walked around and it actually took about half an hour of walking because there's a lot of old gravestones and some of them are very weathered. And eventually Megan actually spotted it 
on top. So it's like a slightly raised section around the front of the church. And she said, I think that's it. She pointed it out. And I went up and it was. I'd, I'd find exactly the same gravestone, slightly more weathered than the photo when it was taken. And it's the, the grave of James Bailey, who died in 1746. And on his gravestone, he had this, this skull and this femur and memento mori. So I took a photo of that and thought, there's something very moving here for me, not from in a spiritual sense, but just in a kind of, there's meaning here I'm attaching that isn't necessarily real, but I feel like it's important to me right now. And it's just one of those wonderful moments of like, this could never have happened. If this happened a week later, I couldn't go. If it happened a week before, I wouldn't be able to go. It could only happen within these two days. Mm. And it happened like that. And I find that brilliant. And for reference, 1746 is, what, 30 years before the Declaration of Independence? It's 277 years ago. And the idea that that concept of, of living today because you might not be here tomorrow and the importance of what matters to you and and sort of fully embracing the the vibrancy of life because you don't get a second chance has been around much longer than three centuries but to know that it was well established enough to have it carved by a mason in stone three centuries ago it 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 really did move me in a really interesting way and i just thought it's such a wonderful little story a little anecdote to have because it, it couldn't have happened at any other time in my life other than those two days mm. I'd, I'd, I'd say it's a it's a striking stone as well isn't it i mean mm. the sort of bust of the fellow up there i mean he looks a bit sort of you know romanesque is he wearing a toga or something um oh, yeah really? it's kind of it is very he's a grand fellow i don't think he was uh i don't think he was a milkman <laughs> No, probably not. I'm not sure what milkman wages were in the uh, 18th century, but probably not mm. uh, 20 foot stone obelisk wages. <laughs> exactly. And I, I just love the thought that, you know, when I die, darling, I want an obelisk. <laughs> <laughs> it must be bigger and more grand than all the other obelisks That's in that area. area. But I'm just going to take a note, actually. Obelisk. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and I mean, you, when you say central Edinburgh, you're not kidding. I mean, that's no practically Prince's Street Gardens there. It's it's basically if it had been put on Edinburgh Castle, it might have fallen and landed where I went to it. Yeah, like it is so close, yeah. and uh, such an interesting little area. And there's so many places like that in Edinburgh. And actually, that was that was believe it or not the first of two graveyards we went to on this trip. Um, the second being actually much more common and uh, Meg wanted to go and see uh, I think it's behind Greyfriars Bobby and it's yep. the graveyard where a lot of the names from Harry Potter came from sort of the, the mm-hmm. influences and inspirations yep. so we went wonder one a much more densely populated graveyard where a lot more sort of currently living people were ambling around um, and uh, yeah I had that moment of like well you know I went to that graveyard before it was cool it was my <laughs> More interesting hipster graveyard I was at this morning. It's not quite the same. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing the mass tourism graveyard now. <laughs> yeah, you know, these graves are so blasé now. <laughs> and, and for the record, actually, I'd like to point out uh, specifically to all the English people listening, cracking blue sky over Edinburgh in October, mm. no less. Oh, yeah, it was a gorgeous few days. We had some really nice, bright, it was raining almost constantly, but very bright. 
wasn't raining, TJ. There's no <laughs> rain. It wasn't raining. <laughs> Never rains in, in Edinburgh. Nope. Nope. Nowhere past the um, the Lake District does it rain. No. No, 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 no. Never, 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 never. Those those, <laughs> those like spring from the, the ground. That's that's how they do <laughs> So that was the inspiration for my topic and for thinking and enjoying and contemplating Memento Mori and all of its facets. And I thought that was a really nice little story to have. And it's one that I was looking forward to telling you. As soon as it happened, I thought, this is one I need to tell Stu because I think he'll appreciate it as much as me. I've got it tattooed on my left arm, mate. I mean, um, I, I'm Which unlikely came to forget after, it. for reference, it wasn't my divine inspiration that gave Stu his tattoo. That was indeed before. Uh, yeah, absolutely. That's uh, that's stuck there for, oh, it must be it must be about a year since I had this, actually. No, no, mm. no. Um, but no, I mean, it is, it is a, a striking um, sort of obelisk. Um, and B, I think it's, it's a, I know what you're saying when you say when you're away and you, you suddenly have mm. these acres of sort of unplanned time in front of you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you get to thinking about stuff. And I think it's a wonderful thing to do in a city is to go and see some corners that perhaps not everybody else is going to see. Yes. Um, and in Edinburgh, as you say, very easily done. Just walk around for about five minutes and you're <sighs> lost anyway. Yeah. Um, find yourself on some weird staircase that takes you... <laughs> Uh, from the castle <laughs> to Princess Street Gardens, and you feel like you're the first person who's ever walked down it, despite it yeah. having been there 500 years. Yeah, um, it's—I mean—it's a great city for that, and obviously a great city to um, um, to sort of find little places to go and contemplate, have a quiet coffee. Mm. Uh, Ask yeah. J.K. Rowling; she spent a lot of time contemplating that. Mm-hmm. We we did a few of the sights and signs and saw the cafe, which I think now sadly is closed, and mm-hmm. various things in the this National Scottish Museum. Yep. which was amazing. Um, the other the other interesting tidbit I have here, and I'll not go into detail because this one is very boring for anyone that isn't super interested in this, but um, is it, there's a man called John Napier mm-hmm. who invented logarithms. Yep. And one of the ways that you do logarithms, that you kind of process them is a little tool called Napier's Bones. And they actually have a set in the National Scottish Museum in oh, Edinburgh wow. of these original Napier's Bones, little like little log things that you use to calculate complex calculations using logarithms. It makes it shorter and faster. The irony is that John Napier's actual bones are in St. Cuthbert's church. Which I thought was novel. Again, again, that was one of those jokes I tried to make to Meg. I was like, you know, well, there's, there's Napier's bones and then there's Napier's actual bones and they're both in there. She's like, yeah, yeah uh, can we go for lunch, please? We're... Can we- <laughs> You're, you're holding up the traffic, sweetheart. Please move. <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait until you start taking your, your growing daughter um, <laughs> on little trips and going, and Athena, look at this. They just look at you. A 16-year-old Athena look at you and go, you're absolutely barking, man. He's doing it again, mom. He's doing it again. <laughs> ah, splendid. Well, I mean, I took your, I took your title, Moment of Joy. I thought, oh. I'm going to try and match this. And then to, <laughs> to, to be even worse, you, you, you'd invoke to Edinburgh. I was like, oh, no, 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 I'm, in, I'm in trouble here. But of course, I finished the Camino this mm. um, Yeah. The, the big walk um, after, well, seven years of trying. Well, not really seven years of trying. We, we'd planned to walk it in five years. And then that little um, uh, 
uh, uh, what was it called? What was it? Uh, some sort of flu thing turned up mm. um, and sort of slowed down everything. Um, and and so we walked 2016, 17, 18, 19, and then 2023. We finally finally finished it this time. Um, and on the last day, which I will I will speak some more of in a minute, um, I was walking with Stu, um, and he said to me, he said, "You realise." that we are seven years older than when we walked across the Pyrenees. Um, <laughs> and given at this stage, I had bits of nail hanging off my foot, um, a, a slightly bizarre limp, um, a baseball cap that had lost all shape because the <laughs> peak had got so wet that it. Um, I looked like some sort of Norman Wisdom character in, in the photos of, of the last day. And Stu, likewise, was carrying all sorts of injuries. Like, yep, I definitely know it's seven years. It is seven years <laughs> makes a difference. There is a difference. I feel fifteen years older. <laughs> yeah, there's a difference between forty-six and fifty-three. There is definitely a difference when it comes to walking. Um, there's, there's a handy hint for for all you youngsters on your way to these ages. Um, but yeah, it was. Um, it was weird in many ways. I mean, mm. first it was fantastic to to sort of get there. Um, we met up um, because of all the logistics. We actually fly to Santiago, which is the destination, and then um, sort of get <laughs> ourselves. Back. Yeah, we sort of get ourselves on a bus to uh, our start point where we finished last year and then sort of walk back. So the bus almost exactly follows the Camino. So you're almost sort of waving as people <laughs> come past you. Think, okay, I'm going, to, I, I'm going to be walking there in a couple of days, um, and so it was great to get there and get excited. I mean, Stu hadn't, Stu and I hadn't seen each other since 2019, um, and so oh wow, yeah. Um, and <laughs> given both of our our vices, um, it was almost inevitable that we would get overexcited with the wine, um, and we did not <laughs> disappoint. Um, and so that was all great and it's fantastic. And then we start walking um, with all of the fun and games that that brings. I won't go through the whole thing because this will be a 17-hour podcast. But um, <laughs> some, some amazing moments. Uh, Stu is um, he's much fitter than me. Um, and he, <laughs> generally speaking, he, he's finding the walking easier than I do, particularly if there's any up involved. He's, he's, mm. He can be a bit annoyingly fit at times. But I generally just cause him pain and that makes me feel better slows him down a bit but um one thing one thing that i do have over him is that i have very few phobia whereas um stew and heights are not great friends mm. um and he's particularly not fond of bridges oh that's um, very specific i'm sure there's a latin term for fear oh, of bridges almost certainly um and <laughs> i can't remember whether it was day three or something like that we we came a, came upon an enormous bridge, very very high, um, and oh the look that came across his face, bless him! Oh, I made my day. Um, <laughs> Gephyrobia, Gephyrobia, G E P H R H Y R O phobia. Oh, Gephyrobia, Gephyrobia. Yeah, um, well, yeah, I, he just stared at his phone. <laughs> And kept walking <laughs> um, and with, with me behind him saying, do you want me to talk to you? Shut up. Okay, no, that'll be a no then. It's lovely of you. Shut up. Okay. Uh, um, but I mean, fair play to him, he got across. And then once we got across, there was that wonderful sort of 
uh, sense of justice because we were suddenly faced by this massive staircase that we had to climb. And I went, oh. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Fat bloke up a, up a staircase. Oh, oh. Karma. Sweet, um, immediate karma. <laughs> yeah. At which point he starts walking up backwards going, come on then, Porky. Come on. Um, so, yes. Anyway, we were having our usual funny, funny time. And so the final day, well, not the final day of the trip, but the final day of the walk is... Um, uh, I think most people do about 20 kilometers. We were doing more because we, we, mm. we'd sort of set up our own itinerary. Uh, so we're doing about a 30K day. And uh, w- one thing I will say about Galicia is it's, uh, it's somewhere that all Irish people can feel at home because it never stops raining. Um, <laughs> it is the only place in Europe, statistically, that gets more rain than Ireland. And, That's impressive. Oh, Yes. Uh, and we were walking a bit later in the year because of Mrs. L's half terms and all that sort of stuff. So um, we were we were pretty much in the autumn or the fall, um, if you're that way inclined. Uh, and to say that it rained would really be an understatement. It did a lot of raining. And on this final day, um, it had been working itself up to this. It was it, it had moved from sort of drizzle to a fine soft day to a soft day to, ah, geez, it's not very nice out there, uh, to something completely unsayable on a podcast. So I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not sure that TJ can find the beat button. Um, so raining, raining hard. And after a couple of hours, we'd sort of, we'd cleared our first 10K and we were then joining where everybody else was starting. Um, mm. And it's also where the the day greenos come from. So we're pellegrinos, pilgrims, uh, but you also have day greenos, uh, and those are people who don't have the time or the inclination or perhaps the fitness to do a a pilgrimage, which to to get yourself the magic sort of Compostela thing, you need to do a hundred k. Obviously, we 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 <clears throat> have done far more than that because we're big butch <laughs> people. Um, <laughs> But the day greenos jump on a bus, come sort of 20k out and then walk back. So they have breakfast in Santiago, come out, walk home. They're, they're inside for a late lunch. Um, and naturally, in the true Christian sense, we look upon these people with utter disgust and disdain. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, it doesn't matter how often you say, Stuart, don't judge. The, this is this man's pilgrimage. If that's what he wants to do, why should why should you judge him? Anyway, so we arrive at this coffee shop um, where I stand outside under the awning um, and start wringing out our clothes, which are all soaked by this stage. I mean, everything. Uh, Stu goes in to get some coffees and um, comes across a an American pastor. I think he was a Jesuit, actually. I think he was a monk. Um, uh, who's a day greeno. He's going to walk with two of his flock from the States who, um, you know, seem, seem very nice. But she's a um, big, rosy cheek, smiley face. Um, and uh, then has her husband, who has got the, the dubious honour of making me look like a sort of, you know, slim, sylph-like fellow. But the best thing about it is th- what they were wearing. I mean, this guy was wearing uh, jogging pants and some trainers and a little cagoule that i i don't know would probably keep you dry for about 45 seconds in improper rain 
Um, and she was wearing, um, she had one of those ponchos that you can buy. So it's it's essentially a massive bin bag with a hood on the top. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and she had one of those on. I thought, mm, I'm not sure that's going to keep a lot out anyway. And if the wind catches her, she's going to end up in the in the Atlantic. Uh, and then off they went. And a few minutes later, we followed them. And the, and the walk uh, goes sort of gradually uphill into a into a forest. And so you're pushed then into sort of quite narrow paths. And there's uh, the Pellegrinos, um, and we're all sort of tramping on. Um, when it's raining and you're on a, a walk like this, you kind of, you, you close yourself off to all of the, the scenery and stuff. It's just everybody that we were speaking to some pellegrinos just want to get it done <laughs> <the finish>. um, <laughs> i want to finish yeah there's a lot of that going on and then you've got the day greeners going oh isn't this great hey marge <laughs> you see that that's a tree yeah you'll see a lot of those it's a forest anyway um suddenly there's a traffic jam <laughs> and Stu and i literally nearly walk into people what's going on and and you sort of push your way past and <laughs> essentially there's a big puddle and honestly, you would have thought it was Lake Como. <laughs> there's, this, there's this bunch of De Grinos standing there looking at it, looking at their trainers, going, oh, this isn't good. And then there's the, the Pellegrinos looking at them going, are you going to cross it or are you planning on staying here all day? And uh, <laughs> we, we've already had now five, and if you've done the whole thing in one go, 30 days of you know, wet trainers. Whatever you're wearing, walking boots, whatever. Once the water gets in, the water is in. Your socks are wet. If they don't get wet from from the puddles, they get wet from the rain falling down your trouser leg, or in my case, my shorts. Yeah, you just it's wet. And the sooner you accommodate yourself with the fact that it's wet, the easier life becomes. Because you go, oh, my feet are wet. A bit like I don't know, being in a bath or the sea or a shower. <laughs> Not not exactly the end of the world. Um, and so you just get on with it. So we plough through the, these puddles, which are, I don't know, in places they might be six inches a foot deep. I mean, there's, there's quite a lot of water. Um, I have no idea whether the uh, Bob and Marge, oh, Marge, look at that. I have no idea whether they made it or not. Or what. We, we saw at every road crossing, as the forest sort of meets these roads, uh, support vehicles picking up the day greeners. We <laughs> were oh, clearly no. going, going, no, no, no. They said, no, this is not what we signed up for. Take us back for lunch immediately, if not faster than that. <laughs> and there's one half of, of Stu and I going, we could just get on one of those buses, couldn't we? we could just bribe one of them. <laughs> no. No one's going to know. We're going to finish it. We're going to, okay, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. We're gonna, yep, we're going to finish it. Um, and by, by this stage, we were walking parallel to Santiago's airport. Um, so it's quite quite a flat piece of land, which shouldn't come as a huge surprise to anybody thinking about airports. Um, and we're walking parallel to the the runway. Uh, it's raining. It's raining really quite hard. Uh, there's no scenery to speak of. Yeah, uh, in that little bit of land that exists between the suburbs and the countryside. Um, and the, the route takes you to the end of the runway where the, the airport sort of perimeter fence stops and you essentially turn, in our case, left or due west and you're going to walk the final few kilometres due west into Santiago. 
So uh, for those not following on geographically, what that means is you are walking directly towards the Atlantic. So <laughs> the weather that you is, is coming at you is coming pretty much from America. Um, th there's a couple of islands in between, but they're really tiny. They don't have much impact. This is proper weather. <laughs> and I, I have never, ever known the likes of that. I mean, Stu and I, obviously I'm, I'm quite big. Um, Stu, Stu used to play rugby with him. He's a well-built guy as well. And we turned into this wind and both of us nearly fell over. <laughs> um, and Stu was wearing a poncho. And it could, uh, the wind caught, and I honestly grabbed for him because I was frightened he was going to take off. Um, and, and he's about 90-odd <laughs> kilos. It's uh, difficult to see how he would take off, but it was that strong. And the rain mm. was coming horizontally right under your hood into your face. Uh, anything that wasn't wet at this point was now wet. It was elemental. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> astonishing. To the extent that both Stu and I burst into laughter um we couldn't hear each other we were standing 18 <laughs> inches apart but you couldn't hear each other speak uh, so we both started belting out rugby songs um, on one occasion we even sang the same song but mostly <laughs> we were just singing laughing hysterically because i've never seen weather like it and it only went on for i don't know maybe an hour we just kept trudging but the final trudging. the final hour of drudging through the miz it couldn't be nice it couldn't be a nice downward amble towards the finish line <laughs> well the thing is that you sort of um once you get through that stage you go up another hill funnily enough um and you go <laughs> you go past the sort of final big um albergue where where people stay which is um i think it was built when spain was going through its very socialist sort of stage so um it's um, I stayed in somewhere really similar when I visited East Berlin. If you don't know what that is, kids, ask your parents. And um, there are just like, they're like cell blocks of accommodation. It's like... A, Brutalist chic. Yeah, it's like an East European uh, youth hostel. And it's enormous. It's huge. I'm sure it's lovely, delightful. It just looked terrifying. And the student <laughs> looked at me when it's, it's like Stalagluft, which was what the Germans used to call some of the... Um, the prisoner of war camps. I'm like, wow. Um, and it's in this really weird park on the edge of Santiago. Um, and if you've never done this, walk from the edge of a city to the middle of the city. You'd be astonished how far it is. Because, um, you know, we're there, aren't we? We're in Santiago. So that's it. It's done. No, you've got two hours to go. <laughs> two hours on very, very tired legs. Very, very wet. And uh, Ironically, the sun has now come, come out and we're sweating. Um, sweating cobs, there we go. We don't have to edit that. Um, and uh, <laughs> just, you're now walking through sort of suburbs and long streets. And of course, the people of Santiago are, are completely immune to you now. They see this every day, every, you know, all year. They've got no interest in you whatsoever. Everywhere else around the route, you know, you'll get the sort of cheery people going, oh, Juan Camino. Santiago is like, oh, get out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> Stinking, filthy foreigner. Get, get off my pavement. Um, and we're, oh, we're trudging in and we're trudging in. And we're trudging. And it was those last couple of hours. Um, it was a true mental test. It was like, you could just get a taxi. No, no, we're not. All right, okay, we'll walk, we'll walk. And then, 
to the cathedral and then you have to do all the admin and all that stuff. And we walked onto the cathedral square. There we go. That's 779 kilometers done. We've walked across the Pyrenees. We've been freezing cold. We've been soaking wet. We've been boiling. We've been sunburnt. We've had blisters. Nails have come off. We've had medical emergencies for the duck. We've had, it's been an incredible experience. We get to the, the, the plaza in front, in front of the cathedral. And it's like, what are we going to do next year then? <laughs> that was it that there is uh, you know you, i was hoping at least for perhaps a lightning bolt the descent of an angel you know, <laughs> personal thank you from a cherub nothing it's it's really i mean i suppose it's actually if i'd thought about it i would have known there was just going to be this huge empty feeling of having finished and i swear to you we both probably had a little tear in our eyes we went for a drink not because of some sort of you know huge sense of achievement um but just because you know that was that really um yeah it's been a thing for almost a decade and no it's not yeah it's absolutely bizarre um so then we went off to uh the the office uh the the pilgrim's office the whole thing is set up it's a really slick operation mostly um run by volunteers because we don't have to pay them um and you take a ticket and you've got all these little you know electronic queue control things come up and we didn't have to queue at all it was the time that we time of year that we did it um and you go and you get interviewed by a volunteer um and they check your um your little passport so you have a pilgrim's passport um, which you get stamped uh, everywhere that you stay. And you can get it stamped in churches. You can get it stamped in bars along the way. I mean, it's a lovely souvenir, to be honest. Um, and for the last 100 kilometers, so for, for us, this last trip, you have to have two stamps per day. And if you don't, you risk not being given the certificate. Not that the certificate has any value apart from what you think it has paying. <laughs> um, so... Um, that that's another thing is you're walking through you know it's hammering down with rain you stop somewhere for a for a coffee and some breakfast you know do we need to get the things okay so the things are inside a plastic bag inside a wet bag inside the wet section of the rucksack which is under the rucksack cover which is under the poncho and it's 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 a 15 minute operation to get it out yeah (laughs) stamp 15 minute operation to put it back you know oh the admin, the admin involves is exhausting. <laughs> um, anyway, so we, we do the um, uh, the interview, and my my volunteer says, "Yeah, okay, you're good to go." Uh, and I, and I said, "Look, I walked this in memory of a friend. That's fine. We will we'll mark that on your certificate." Um, she thought, "Oh, that's lovely. That's great." Um, and Stu and I had agreed that we would um, uh, we'd give our certificates to to Terry's wife. Who, who survives him and for whom we were doing the walk we just thought it'd be nice to to give them to her she can you know, I don't know, throw them away <laughs> to whatever she wants to do with them. um <laughs> but just as a you know a, a token of uh, i don't know memory if you like yeah um and Stu had a had a volunteer who went oh that's that's really cool look don't tell anyone but i'll give you two right so you can have a certificate for yourself and a certificate for um for the for the lady so we ended up we've both still got our certificates and we've got one to present to her and stuff which made us 
very, very happy because this mm. thing suddenly takes on a very, very special yeah. quality. Yeah. Um, and then on the way out, uh, for a consideration of three euros, uh, you can have a, um, a certificate of completion, which is, uh, it does you no good at the pearly gates, the certificate of completion. It's, it's very much <laughs> a secular document. Uh, no, certificate of distance, that's what it's called. Um, but it, it gives you a distance, which has been uh, officially marked as 779 kilometres. Um, and you can buy a little tube to carry it on the airplane and all sorts of souvenirs. Yeah, yes. <laughs> um, well, if you're looking for a challenge for next year, if you just repeat that 240 times, you could walk to the moon. <laughs> well, next year, I think we're going to do the Camino Inglis, actually, which is um, uh, much shorter. It's, it's a one-week job, um, and it's from the sort of north coast down to Santiago. Um, oh, okay. But it's over 100K, and so we get we can get another certificate. <gasps> Great. Um, <laughs> He's gone certificate mad. <laughs> but no, we, we agreed we're going to just keep walking in Spain. We, we're kind of done with Santiago, I think. Mm -hmm. um of all of the sort of cities and places that we went to it's the least exciting for us i guess, i mean then again we are sort of wine hounds rather than anyway religiously <laughs> sort of, i mean it's it is a beautiful church it's got um uh, the, the whole reason that this thing exists is because st james allegedly uh his his remains are there bringing us back to um Gravestones. I mean, if you want to see a gravestone, mm. go to Santiago de Compostela. They built, <laughs> they built a cathedral over it. Now that's a monolith. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I see your obelisk and I raise you a cathedral. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it is very impressive. I mean, the, 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 the Catholic faith do churches and, you know, high church very, very well. This, the, what it's famous for is the, um, oh, I forgot the name of it. But, um, Anybody who's been to a Catholic church or even a high Anglican church will be aware of incense. Um, mm -hmm. uh, Maria, that's what it is. Um, it's a, it's like a little thing on a chain. Um, the censer is the technical term, I believe, for the thing. Yeah, this one is called the Maria because it's oh, okay. a, a sensor that needs to be, you need 30 men to swing this. Oh, it's more, more, it sounds an awful lot like something you'd used to batter down a castle wall than. Yes, yeah, it, it hangs from the ceiling in the church and they operate it with ropes. Oh my. Um, and they used to get it out for all the pilgrim masses, but they now do, you know, I think they do sort of two pilgrim masses a day. Uh, and this thing only comes out now for special occasions. Um, but I mean, it's an incredible church and mm. the, the city is sort of built around it and you've got, um, it's sort of Edinburgh-esque actually, the centre, very hilly. Uh, very yeah, sort of narrow yeah. streets and um but yeah we, we've been there a few times now because it's it's got an airport <laughs> so logistically it's quite quite useful for us um and i think we're going to do it again this time but then when we do further caminos which we've agreed we will do i i suspect we'll maybe just sort of stop short of santiago um because, mm -hmm. you know how many certificates can i can a boy have um and <laughs> The last 100K of any of the Caminos is when it starts getting busy because that's where the the locals, the Spaniards, uh, not many of them walk uh, 780 kilometres. They do 101 um, mm. because they need it for their CV, really. Yeah, that's, that's really where they, they get quite wild about that. We saw loads of kids on this trip who were on sort of, you know, school 
organized spanish duke of ed effectively yeah pretty much um and spanish teaches that, that mystery to me he was gathering all of his charges on a train line to take a photo oh that sounds <laughs> complicated yeah, mm. Mm, yeah no, that's really a timing issue you really want to make sure you're there when the train isn't well i'll tell you what you try and get a, you try and get a bunch of spanish kids to do anything quickly um <laughs> <laughs> or indeed, I suppose any kids <laughs> so yes. might be being unfair to the Spanish. Uh, but the most important thing of all this is that I did learn my Latin name. <laughs> yes. Okay, everybody brace yourselves. Okay, it's going to be difficult to relate it to me because, as you know, my name is Stuart Lennon. And my Latin name is Stuardum Lennon. There you are. <laughs> Lennon turns out exactly the same. Doesn't he translate? <laughs> A, ancient Latin name. Uh, we, uh, we were one of the first 11 families that founded Rome. Uh, you weren't aware. Yeah, Julius Lennon, that well-known fellow. <laughs> uh, actually, yeah, that, that's what uh, Uncle John named his, his son Julian. Uh, that's actually a callback to that, his early Roman roots. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fantastic looking certificate. I, it's, it's a great thing. I've I've just uh, I've just got it slapped in a frame, and um, the distance certificate again in one of those decisions that only a church could make is a very similar design, but it's landscape, okay, uh, which makes so it really awkward together. to hang them together. Yeah, <laughs> and it's um it's a completely made up size, so the. <laughs> This one that you're looking at, the um, mm. Postella, um, needs a little bit of trimming to, to fit an A4 frame. And then the um, certificate of distance uh, basically needs a bespoke frame. Although Amazon <laughs> can provide, of course. <sighs> madness, madness. <laughs> so there you go. That was my uh, moment of joy. It was, um, I, 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 I might be selling it short. I had some fantastic moments of joy on this trip and all the other yeah. trips. Um, yeah. But one of them was not arriving at journey's end and going, we've done it. Um, oh, it's like it finishing like, your exams, anything like that, where there's such a buildup yeah. and you do it and you're like, oh, where's the triumph and sense of joy I was expecting? Mm. No? Oh, Okay. <laughs> We we went off and looked for it. We we were ordering it by the bottle. Um, <laughs> I think it arrived. Nope, it's not the bottom of this one. <laughs> I, just, I, I can't really remember, to be honest. <laughs> well, that's that. It's exciting to come to the end of such a long term project. I think few people have projects that that run to the seven year mark, and not, probably not what you intended. But as much as it may have felt a bit sort of oh okay in the moment, I think now and going forward it's something you can look back at and go well you know that's not you know three figures of kilometers that's a long distance to walk and it's a wonderful thing to do in someone's memory you know regardless of the spiritual aspect of that whatever you believe there the idea of of coming together to do that for someone in remembrance of them is a lovely thing so i think that means an awful lot unto itself yeah it did to us i mean we, we got his rugby cap there um, we literally <laughs> carried it across Spain. Um, and again, just like, okay, so what are we going to do with it now? He looked at me, <laughs> I looked at him, into the bin it went. I mean, that, <laughs> that was it. Um, our, our, we had walking poles for um, the last leg, which we bought when we arrived because, um, you know, 
if you're flying hand luggage only, walking poles, no, they're not, they're not going to go for that sort of thing. And they'll charge you a fortune to put them in the, the hold of the aircraft. So wherever you, you, you can buy sort of big wooden sort of staves, which come in quite mm. handy, um, you know, beating up Torgrinos, um, <laughs> dealing with any cyclists, that sort of thing. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> literally looking at them and going, um, and I said, well, I'm going to go in and I'm literally, I'm sitting here now talking to you. I'm wearing a hoodie that I bought in Santiago because it was a bit cold. Um, I said, well, I'll, I'll go into the hoodie shop. And I said, listen, can you guys get rid of these for us, please? Yeah, okay, no problem. <laughs> you put them back on that seal. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, apart from the fact that they had the name of another place written on them. I, I, I'm sure she was looking at thinking, well, I could probably put, could probably put a price ticket over that. <laughs> Half price. Ah, <laughs> oh, well, there we go. That was, that was my mm. memento mori. Well, not my memento mori. I mean, we're going to keep going. That's the thing we're it's nice we're certainly not going in october again um <laughs> <laughs> and we're talking about probably um the spring so that'll be quite soon actually um mm. doing doing the next one but yeah some the logistics and things to sort out there because we have to work around mrs l's half turns and things so it's mm. complicated mm. <sighs> right well okay so in this bizarre new format that we have um it now says <laughs> Analog tool, digital tool. TJ, what have you been using? Mm. Well, I've been doing a lot of digital, but I do actually have an analog one that I'm, I'm using at the minute. And a friend bought me this. Uh-huh. And it's a it's a Rotring 600 3-in-1. Oh, yeah. But can you hear that? Oh, yes. Very nice. This is the Supreme version, which is the Skate Lifestyle brand, little red square with the word written in it. Um, I don't think it does anything different than the normal one. Don't tell anyone, but it is very nice. Uh, and it was a gift and it's a lovely gift. And it's not one that I had. I have the, oh, I can't remember the number, just the single rotring pencil, mm-hmm. uh, which I really like. But this is a black pen, a red pen and a mechanical pencil in sort of a twist to, to choose your own adventure type situation. Mm-hmm. And it's brilliant. I use it all the time. Uh, I'm writing my show notes with it at the moment. And I can write in red, I can write in black, I can switch to pencil and have a little scribble. It's really nice because it's just slightly thicker than a normal one, but it gives you those three. And it's not, the normal way you do that is with those really big, chunky blue and white Bic ones. Mm-hmm. You know, when you push down on the thing to choose the color. I just never really like them. This is a much more elegant version of that. And it's really quite nice to write with. So that's something I've been enjoying a lot. Uh, and the other pencil I've been writing with in a tiny, you know, the little moleskin. When I say little, I mean like half the size of a pocket notebook. Mm-hmm. I got one of those in my pocket at the minute. I've not been carrying many notebooks, but I've started carrying this along with uh, a paper mate sharp writer, which okay. is an American uh, quasi disposable mechanical pencil. So you can, I think, refill them, but they're, they're generally binned, I think, unfortunately. Um, but I had a bunch of these um, sent to me actually years and years ago. And it's, it's a little twist. Um, you twist the top like the sharp what would be the sharpened portion on a normal pencil uh the collar you twist that to move the lead in and out and it's just a long yellow uh, sort of simulacrum of a wood case pencil in plastic mechanical form but it's really nice and sharp writer is the right term because it is quite a pointy lead it says number two but it feels a little harder than that like it does hold its tip really well and i've just been sticking that in my pocket and bar one time when i sat down funny and it poked out of my jeans Sharp end first. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been very, very effective. Very good. 
good, good to hear the pencil is still there amongst all this oh, yeah. digital stuff. <laughs> well, the digital stuff is good. Like I've been doing a lot of digital stuff and Obsidian is, is sort of my main go-to for a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been doing a lot in Obsidian. One of the little things I find really useful, and you might find useful too if you use a Logitech mouse. Um, I recently got a new one because my old one finally gave up the ghost. And I got a new one. It's really nice. It's the Master 3S. It's a really mm-hmm. nice swish looking mouse. Yeah, the, Works really beautifully. One, All the, That's what the S is oh, silent, isn't it? It's so quiet. To the point that my mechanical uh, Cherry MX Blue keyboard sounds horrendously too loud now. And so <laughs> I need to think about like a red uh, Cherry keyboard to try and get something else quieter. But yeah, I bought that and it, it works really, really well. I really like it. But I noticed on my M2 Mac Air, the software, the Logitech software, was just hogging battery, Mm. hogging data. And just every time I I used the mouse, even when I wasn't using the mouse, because it's installed, the battery life is just getting hammered. And like normally that MacBook is amazing. It'll do 20 hours on a charge if you're doing normal, like puddling around stuff. I was getting like two and a half. Like what has happened? What has gone wrong? It was this software. And I don't know for sure, but that was the only variable that was changed. And it was just eating battery life. So I found uh, a third-party software called uh, Better Mouse. And for $7, I think it was, or £7, something like that, it basically replicates 80% of that functionality. Uh, And it doesn't, as far as I can tell, it's not using anything because the computer now has gone back to normal battery life now that I've uninstalled the Logitech one. Mm. And it just seamlessly gets rid of all that faff and all the junk and all the, do you want 900 ways to accessorize 14 buttons? I'm like, no, I want the <laughs> scroll to scroll. I want the right, left click to left click. And I want the right click to right click. I know, basic, but it works. Um, because when you don't have the software installed, if you just uninstall the Logitech one, none of the gesture stuff works which is really frustrating. So you can't switch full page apps. You can't do any of that. With this software, you can reassign all those to whatever you want. And so I've now done that on my Mac and it's just one of those moments where I was very stew about it. I was like, I can persist with the free option or seven pounds can banish this problem forever. (laughs) Gone. Be gone. Uh, And I very much enjoyed that. And it's one of those little small quality of life hacks I think is really useful. (laughs) And... Yeah, the only the digital tool I've been using is Obsidian. And one of the more interesting things I've been doing with it recently is setting up. Have you ever heard of URI shortcuts? Yes. So URI shortcuts on my phone homepage and laptop homepage, because you and I get widgets. Very exciting. Um, where I have different vaults for different things in Obsidian. And I can immediately go to different vaults for different things. So I've got one for study, I've got one for uh, writing i've got one for all of my external brain kind of information retention mm-hmm. stuff sure. and i like being able to keep them separate because they don't they're not referenced there's no cross-referencing required between these I have another one for my journal and i don't want them all in one big pot because it's really messy but mm-hmm. i do want them all in obsidian so this is a nice way i set up some shortcuts with widgets on ios and mac os to just i want that vault please and it opens obsidian and it opens into that vault and it opens the note it's so good <laughs> So much straightforward. So straightforward. Essentially, you've put in hours and hours of work and you have built Evernote inside Obsidian. Yes. 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 And so you don't call them notebooks. No. No, 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 no. They're vaults, Stuart. Come on. (laughs) I have re-engineered from first principles something that already exists in another app, which is the only (laughs) way I do anything. 
Um, <laughs> but one of the one of the things I find really useful is because I was doing all this work, I'm, I'm mucking around with stuff. Um, one of the vaults I have is literally called Cerebrum Externum. And when I made that, it was a long time ago, I was actually referencing one of my old wooden graphite videos called The External Brain, uh-huh. which I stuck into the video chat. What a splendid um, accent <laughs> that was. It's as good as my Northern Irish accent. <laughs> I hadn't seen that video since I made it, right? I, I typically would have made a video, watched it for review, released it, and then it was dead to me. I didn't look at it again. So I haven't seen it since whenever it came out, 2020, 2019 or something. I was like, you know what? I'm all right at that. That's not yeah, bad. I, I enjoyed that. I, um, I really enjoyed it. It was a very nice way. Diversion for a few minutes. <laughs> But yes, the external brain is kind of, I dump everything into Obsidian and try and then link it up and sort of make it sensible or at least accessible after the fact, because it's very easy to to be like, oh yeah, yeah, I know that. And then it goes into your brain and gets lost among recipes for pizza and nursery schedules and what's mm-hmm. on TV next week and everything else that's floating around in the soup that is your head. Yep. So I find dumping it in here in a structured format, even if that structure isn't great, it's at least indexed and searchable. So even if I don't know what it is, I know I'm like, uh, keyword? Uh, I think it was something to do with goats. Fire it and see what comes back. <laughs> and, you know, you don't need to think beyond that because it, it'll do the hard work for you. Sure. Um, one of the nice things I find, though, there's a, there's a plugin called DataView, which lets mm-hmm. you do some sort of like JavaScript-y kind of programming-esque things where you can kind of call functions and stuff like that. So I have put an image of, I, there's another plugin that lets you make a homepage. Again, I'm basically recreating different apps in Obsidian because why not? Oh, yeah. You and um, many others. <laughs> so what you're looking at there is there's a there's a head, a floating head, a Memento Mori, and that is the homepage for my Cerebrum Externum vault. And every time I click into it, this is what I'm met with. Do you want to describe what it is? <laughs> Do I want to describe what it is? Well, I mean, the first thing is I'm going to be extremely um, stew to TJ. <laughs> You, you might want to have a look at your spelling there. Oh, yeah. I've, I've spelt it with an O instead of an E. That's good. It's easily changed because yeah, it's no, I, I dare say that will take seconds. Uh, but yes, it's a, it's a picture of a, well, a stoic-looking fellow. Um, I'm, I'm a little concerned about the lack of detail on his eyes. I don't know if that's some sort of message. <laughs> um, no. Are we, we going to say that's Epictetus? Is that who we're... No, that, that's Big Marcus. Is that? That must be a young Marcus. Mm, I only know because I've got old Marcus on on my shoulder. (laughs) Um, Yeah, this is from a statue from, I think it's in Philadelphia, um, Uh the museum that this actual statue is in. And it's there's a photograph of it on the internet that is public domain. Mm-hmm. I then took that photograph and rendered it as a GIF to crush the size down, which gives you this beautiful, like, textured, pixelated kind of thing. It certainly does. And I actually got stickers made of this, so I can stick it on all my stuff just because I like it. Very but cool. um, It's just yeah, the floating, eye thing is a bit spooky. Yeah. It is. I mean, there's there's talk about how all the old Roman statues would have been painted quite sort of yeah. vibrant Garish. colors yeah, back yeah. in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is kind of their... Oh, you, you you left the sprinklers on and rinsed all the paint off and it's kind of gone back to unpainted status. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, so left I suspect... a thousand years on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a big floating Marcus Aurelius head. Memento Mori, which I will fix the spelling of. That's very embarrassing. Uh, and then this is where the data view bit comes in. There's mm-hmm. a blue section and a red section and those are calculated daily based on the data view function, yeah. which pulls the date in, also a set date. And the first one, is my current age 
And the second one is that subtracted from the average lifespan of a UK male where I live, which is about 80 years. And it kind of, it smacks you in the face with how long you get every single time I look at it. doesn't smack you as hard as it would smack me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's the nature of it. It's very, it's very independent and very individual, but. Sure. I, when I made this, when I built it, it was, it said you have 32 years, three months, three weeks. You've had 32 years, three months, three weeks, three days. You might have 47 years, eight months and six days left, which is a very concise and chilling way to describe yourself as a human being, Mm -hmm. to think of it in terms of, we're getting not that far away from those numbers being the same. And when those numbers be, are the same, that's fifty percent. That ship has sailed. <laughs> well, maybe you you have enough red wine. Maybe the life expectancy has sort of crept up, and so you're maybe below the fifty percent. Who's to say? I yeah. I well, if I were a gambling man, <laughs> yeah. No, I, there are. I've heard several people who do something very similar to something. Mike Schmitz does something like this, um, mm-hmm. and he like you. Um, you know, given a spare hour, we'll we'll spend four hours in Obsidian. I mean, that's <laughs> that, that's his thing. I mean, it's, I it's, saved fifteen minutes by only using eight hours to do this. Yeah, no, I I, I think um, I mean, I've been doing loads around this whole sort of area of just trying to work out who I am and what I want uh, because yeah. everybody knows me. I like to just try everything. Um, you know, particularly if it involves buying something. Oh yeah, I'll buy all of the things. Um, I mean, I've still got a couple of training courses to do on Obsidian, um, which um, I now look at with a sense of dread. I open Obsidian and go, "Yeah, oh, who invented an app that doesn't do anything? I mean, why? Um, just because I don't have, I mean, the things that you describe are, are to me um, sort of failings in the software and to you, their features. So you know, somebody's invented data view. Well, why isn't data view there? Is my, is my sort of um, feeling towards it. So I look at I look at the um, the interface of Obsidian, which I know I can customize. I, I'm well aware. Thank you very much. Don't send me emails. But um, it's I, I I look at Obsidian. I have the same frustration as I have with that as I have with um, Federico Vitici, with uh, David Sparks. We've got these shortcuts that can do this. All right, so Apple has given you a way to fix the crap that they haven't made work in their apps. Yay, Apple. Uh, you know, I'm coming from the other end. I am coming from the, oh, this is a computer. I've seen one of these before. I'd like to get to do X for me. Oh, look, there's an app that makes it do X. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> however much I sort of drift myself into a, something like Obsidian, and go, oh, yeah, okay, I can see this. I can follow this training course. I can make that. Oh, I can do All right, okay. Then, of course, something bright and shiny goes past. And I come mm. back to it a couple of days later and go, <laughs> I've no idea how any of this works. Um, I, I can't. <laughs> what? Oh, oh, look, oh, chart for you. Oh, what, what the hell is that graph? What? Oh, I've no idea what I'm doing. Go away, goodbye. Um, and so <laughs> I, I am the only person on the planet and this is tj um you, i want you just to tap into your irishness here okay this is confessional mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i'm in the confession box with you i'm the only person on the planet who has moved into evernote <gasps> i'm very 2010 of you 
Well, do you know what? My account from 2009 was still there. Um, <laughs> some, some of the stuff I used to save, who knew? But um, they, uh, for anybody who's, who's not up with these things, Evernote was like the original sort of note-keeping place, and you could put everything mm. into Evernote. Um, you could buy a scanner, a Fujitsu scanner, which was branded right. Evernote, and it's where you went, put everything to go paperless and... Um, it recently, I mean, it, it sort of grew and grew and grew and then got really unwieldy and got really awkward and didn't work very well. Uh, and so it got bought. And it got bought by an Italian software house who specialise in AI. Um, and they're called Bending Spoons. And they had it for, for a little while and then laid off everybody. So um, Evernote was based, I think, in the US and also somewhere else in the Americas. Um, presumably, you know, sort of arbitrage of, of um, labor costs and stuff. Um, and the, the Italian firm basically binned everyone. <clears throat> Sorry, that's probably not how they said it in the BR release, but they did. Uh, they binned everybody and had their own team, um, European team, working on it. And they just literally last week, um, because there was a free version of Evernote that could do all sorts of great stuff, but it couldn't really sync uh, on the free version. Um, but you know, lots of people used it as, as TJ said from 2010. Um, and they, they basically put out a blog post saying, right. So about the free version, uh, maximum 50 <laughs> notes. Bye. Um, <laughs> which went on like a lead and balloon. I'm sure yes, like a bucket of cold sick. Um, so <laughs> Yeah, everybody got extremely upset and started shouting at the internet. And meanwhile, I was on the other side of the internet going, you know, I think I might just take a subscription to these fellows. Yes, looks, yes, I shall have another go at them. Um, so I'm kind of banking on the fact that it's now got a commercial sort of drive behind it. People are trying to make money from it. Therefore, they will um, streamline it. They will make it work better. They will do all the things that, you know, everybody would like them to do. Um, and I don't have the sort of big, community attachment so i'm not furious that the free version has been essentially removed um yeah. and so i'm there to, i say being contrarian but it's uh so we, we've every time you and i talk we go through this what is it skeuomorphic where yeah. i understand evernote's structure because it doesn't have any vaults it has notebooks and i know what they are and <laughs> Inside notebooks, TJ, this is going to come as a huge shock to you. You will find notes. I know what they what? are as well. Yep. Oh. So I put notes in notebooks and I name the notebooks after stuff that I do. So I've got a company <laughs> called Line and there's a notebook called Line. And all the stuff about Line is in the notebook called Line. Look at that. Brilliant. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's, it's that. It's, it's, it's supposed to be the antithesis of what... Um, obsidian is i think obsidian can do absolutely everything that evernote can do um but it will never be um so instinctive so intuitive so easy to pick up you you have to create the obsidian that you want and then to a certain extent i think you have to tend it whereas you know be be the obsidian you want to see in the world is what you're trying to say <laughs> exactly whereas with evernote it's like this is how it works you don't like it and so I actually find that so much easier. And I, you know, I can put receipts into it. I've still got a scanner that 
very much resembles the old Evernote Galaxy. It's still a Fujitsu, actually. It's, it's the newer version. Um, and I do find all that stuff easy. Um, I've got um, Evernote's big brother or Obsidian's big brother. What's that called? DevonThink. Have you, have you come across DevonThink? Uh, I did look and did dabble, but no. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, um, that's, I suppose it's Obsidian and Evernote's love child. But again, the, <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the interface is like, oh. Oh, this reminds me of a SQL data. I mean, it probably is a SQL database. It's just, you know, it's humongous. It is the the lump hammer for the walnut type thing. It's just way too big. Um, it's got a certain command line chic about it that just yeah, real bare exactly. bones. And again, I I did the course. I think David Sparks, this one, yep, did the course. But, oh, that's great. I'll set up this. I can't remember if they're called vaults or something else nonsensical. And they're all there. And I've got all my stuff there. And I opened it the other day. I went, oh, how the hell does this work? <laughs> um, and I briefly considered buying a course to work out how to write a note. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to get a, get, get to Evernote and subscribe. That's what finally pushed me. So I have huge amount of um, fascination and love for this Obsidian stuff. I think it's it's awesome. I don't know why it's awesome, but it is, which is why I sort of adopted it so early. <laughs> this is great. Um, but I just can't use it because the minute something comes along and I, I lose uh, concentration, I come back to it and go, oh, I have no idea how this works. Oh, So, yeah. You'll find me in Evernote. You know, little green elephants everywhere. I'm going to buy the stickers, <laughs> the T-shirts. I, I will be completely, you know, sorted out. Um, and part of it is because I I use Spark now, email, Spark email. Mm-hmm. And um, I did, uh, what's his name? Tiago Forte. He did, yeah. th- he did the second brain book. Um, I read yep. that. And he recently did a little course called The Four Pillars of Productivity. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think it was 150 bucks. Yeah, money to waste. I'm your man. Um, and so I did that. And it's some of it's really self-evident, but uh, aren't all the best things. It was a it was a sort of um, it was a very simplified thematic approach to how to handle inputs. Uh, and I can you know I can save you the 150 bucks. Basically, what you do is you put all the inputs somewhere. <clears throat> There you go, TJ. That's that, that, that's free. That, I didn't charge you. Um, and as your inputs will come either through notes that you write or things that you read or email, he really talks about you know how to use email, which I, I know is a well-trodden path. How to use a notes app, how to use a read it later app, mm-hmm. um, and oh, there must be one more. What was the fourth pillar of productivity? I can't remember. Um, but how you link all these things together, and one of the things I really like about Spark is that you can send emails directly to Obsidian um, and also to Evernote. The thing is, if I send them to mm. Evernote, I can find them again. Um, so it's, it's that <laughs> idea. Here, somewhere in the, in the vaults. <laughs> it's that idea of opening up your email and going, okay, there are 25 things I need to look at here and then deciding what to do. You know, send one to storage, send one to, uh, you know, uh, Evernote storage, um, send one to your to do that was the fourth yes you to do app things or whatever in my case um or archive it and hit it once and blah blah you know inbox zero it's all well trodden stuff um i just liked i like apps that work together um to the extent that i will sometimes choose apps because they work with other apps yeah sad i know 
Anyway, that was a Sorry, tangent. Who knew that I would go on a tangent? <laughs> it's so unlike me. Well, what do we get to? We got through a good chunk of stuff there. Okay, we talked about yours. It's me now. It's my, like, mm. yeah, my analog um, is, it's not something I sell at Nero's. Claire will be furious. I'm pushing some of <laughs> stuff again. Um, you've, I think, seen this before. I've spoken to you about it before. A company called William Hanna, um, run by so, David yeah. Round. Don't go on, don't go on the website, TJ. Don't, don't, you'll, you'll be furious with the money you're about to spend. Um, <laughs> they are beautiful leather covers. They have a little disc binding system, um, which is, uh, I think an American system to be honest. Uh, and he makes these wonderful journal covers and he also does, uh, some sort of pre-printed pages for them. Uh, one of which mm. is called his intention pack, which is a sort of two page per day journaling system. Um, and this has been a lifesaver for me, um, which I think we'll probably get to later. Um, I bought I bought a couple of covers because you know why would you buy one uh, back in 2017? And um, when we used to do pen shows at Nero's, uh, David and I would often be on adjacent tables. Uh, he, he's a really nice guy. He sells amazing kit, uh, and they are proper heirloom pieces. So. Um, I very nearly was going to get you one um, when you when you um, mentioned your wedding color themes because you can you can have your your cover customized bespoke yeah so you, you know you could you could have had a sort of dark green with a mustard um, liner oh. and I thought that's just the thing and then I thought yeah, yeah what about his wife and it, it just it just <laughs> yeah anyway and so um, yeah have a look at that uh, it. Hopefully TJ will put that in the show notes, but do go and check I out will. William Hanna because it's lovely. Um, 24 hour time tracker, A5 pages, 25 pack. And it's a beautiful big circular grid with times. and Oh, oh. yeah. Oh, there's all the things that, I mean, obviously you can, you can go away and just recreate this and, and make a widget and get Obsidian to give you a graph or something. Um, <laughs> but, but if you like using a nice fountain pen, the paper takes fountain pens really well. Yeah. Um, digital wise, uh, read wise, which we've spoken about before, um, mm-hmm. it, it's uh, it's not cheap. I can't remember how much it is, but it's like something a month. Um, but what it does is, um, when I highlight something in my Kindle, uh, that automatically, well, not automatically, but goes up to my read wise collection, and then read wise gives me a daily digest of things from that I have highlighted in the past. And it's all about, um, you know, spaced repetition, which, you know, learning stuff. You yeah. know that, <laughs> Dr. Cosgrove. Um, but also what it does is it um, it lumps them all into Obsidian or, you've guessed it, Evernote. Um, so uh, you have a record of all those highlights, which you can do directly from Kindle um, if you, you know, if you want to interface with with the Kindle stuff and you can you can pluck it all out and drop it wherever you like. But this is an automated process. So my um, Obsidian and Evernote both now have a sort of a notebook stroke vault stroke folder. So I don't know what, uh, where all of these things live. Um, Meaning that I can revisit them. I can use them. I can develop them. I can write notes on why I found them interesting. It's a sort of prompt for me. Um, Again, there's a link. And if you click the link, you get, I think you get a free month if you use that to, to subscribe. 
Um, and I think there's also a free trial. So give the free trial a go. Um, and also, if you do, then I get a free month, which will be very, very exciting. Um, fantastic. But no, it's a really good service if it's your thing and if you'll use it. If not, then it's, uh, it's a lump of cash for not doing anything. Um, media of the month. There we go. That sounds new. Media of the month, TJ. What's your media of the month? <laughs> well, this is kind of instead of having watching, listening, and all the other ones, and kind of. Oh, okay. I think I basically had a a small podcast within a podcast of of movie reviews, so I've tried to keep it brief. Mm-hmm. I have two song recommendations, songs that have kind of percolated into my listening history. The first one is a throwback vintage eighteen fifty seven reference. Uh, it's a song by The Beaches called, and you'll excuse my accent, Shower Beer, which for <laughs> anyone else is Shower Beer. <laughs> it's, uh, it's Andy Wealthy's favourite 1857 reference. <laughs> uh, fun little song. Uh, wasn't expecting it. It popped up on my Discovery playlist, whatever thing. And I was like, oh, that's pretty good. Enjoyed it. And, and just the name got me as well. So I thought I have to. I have to throw it into 1850s, let everyone listen to it. Um, so that's a fun reference. The second one is, I think, an accidental Stoic song, or maybe it's an intentional Stoic song. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve Wilson Jr., and the song is called Cuckoo. That's kind of new country kind of vibe. Um, definitely of a, of a country ilk. Very, very good. I very enjoyed it. Um, but one of the best lines in it is, one more thing in a long line of things I can't control. That's Epictetus. There you go. That's, that's your stoicism is. right there. Yeah, so I'd probably put better than uh, Epictetus. <laughs> Definitely to more uh, aplomb and, and rhyme. Certainly. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, um, I shall check those. So out. it's one. I think you might enjoy probably the second more than the first, but you might enjoy them both. Um, in terms of video, I watched a lot of films and TV shows and stuff in the time that we've not been recording. Uh, the well, not the most recent. One of the ones that sticks out is one that I've been. You know those movies that you've heard about, you know roughly about, but you've mm-hmm. never seen? Mm-hmm. I finally went and saw one, and it was an American Werewolf in London, okay. which is one of those movies that has just percolated around the, the oh yeah, that's a film I could see, that's a film, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was on Amazon Prime or something. I stuck it on one evening when I had some free time. And yeah, uh, I'll give you my five word summary review, because that's my new thing, real short movie reviews. Surprisingly gory and disappointingly terse. Mm. Mic yes. drop. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Well, I, similar experience. Um, I finally, um, over the last, I think probably last month, caught up with uh, a little TV thing that did rather well called uh, Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Did you watch the last season? Uh, I did did yes i watched the last mm. i've watched um house of the dragon as well so i watched all of the the game of thrones seasons and and last uh house of the dragon which i think has only had one season so far yes yeah um uh mm. yeah so a five word um oh, I'm on the fly. <laughs> um soft porn beheading nonsense there you go four you don't even need the fifth no <laughs> that's how terse um, he is yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think really suffered from from the whole anticipation thing. Uh, I, I mm. really enjoyed the books as well, so um, I was probably set up 
to, to be disappointed because none of the yeah. characters looked like they should have. Um, although Sean Bean was close. Um, and, <laughs> Sean Bean, who famously didn't make it past the first season. <laughs> well, I mean, the, I mean, the thing about it was you could actually, you just watched the first season and then you watched, I think, six further variations on the first season. Yeah. That, yeah. That's the same plot again, <laughs> different families, uh, slightly different locations. Everybody, come on, chop, chop, to the set. And there you go. <laughs> Um, but no, it was all right. I, I'm being a little bit harsh. Um, okay, so music. What did I mm. music? Well, I've, I'm, I've been, obviously, because I'd got the, the show note from you, I was feeling very in, very Irish. So I thought, Irish, Irish. And then just recently, a couple of, um, I, I suppose legends might not be overstating it. Um, Irish music no. legends have passed away. Yeah. So uh, first of all, was the tragic death of Sinead O'Connor. Um, uh, a woman not not afraid of having an opinion. Mm. Um, and if you're my age, uh, and I know some people that listen are, uh, that song, 1990, the Prince song, um, Nothing Compares to You, a whole generation, that was our breakup track. Um, it was on every <laughs> single mixtape, uh, which is what we used to call playlists. Um there's another one while you're there. I've put a YouTube link there. While you're there, you will see um, Danny Boy on The Late Show by Sinead O'Connor. Have a listen to that. Um, okay. Not a, not a dry eye in the house, I'll wager. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, she she very sadly passed away this year. Mm, and yeah. also Shane McGowan. Very of, recently, yeah. Yeah, of the Pogues. Uh, his funeral was quite a watch. Um, if you want to look that up on the YouTube, um, there's a great version of of the song which I've linked to, which is, um, I think, almost certainly the best Christmas song ever written. Um, but it's so much more than that. It's um, it's a story about Irish emigration. It's a story about the United States. It's a story about Broadway. Uh, it's a story about life and disappointment and. Uh, it's incredible. It's the fairy tale of New York. Uh, it's four Obviously. minutes. And it's yeah. just amazing. It's just such a good song. Everybody, of course, by now is already sick to death of it because it's been played to death <laughs> everywhere they go. Well, but, since October, yes. Yeah, yeah. go and have a listen to it in July. It's incredible. <laughs> um, uh, and yeah, just a little footnote to that. Um, I'm uh, My application for Irish citizenship is in. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, and in, in something that is just so wonderfully Irish. This is brilliant. Um, they refer you to a website for the current wait time. And you go to the website and it says nine months. <laughs> okay. <laughs> go on, you good thing. There's one fella in the office, I think, probably called Seamus, who's faced with this massive inbox full of these huge applications <laughs> that they make you fill. Uh, with all sorts of paperwork. They want the birth and death certificate of your grandfather, your birth and death certificate of the child of the of the grandparent and your parent that gives you the right... Uh, I'm like, really? <laughs> <laughs> you, you can't create a digital thing that you could just click a link and go, oh, yep. Uh, anyway, whatever. Six photos. Uh, anyway, so that that's... Oh, I'll update you all in nine months. Probably mm, be yeah, <laughs> probably two episodes from now. Um, and 
videos. I've put a couple more. I'm the YouTube baby now. Um, I've got a couple mm. of links here. Uh, again, that for the young people, you'll you'll need help with this. Um, and this is actually you won't be old enough to remember this one. The first one is a guy called Sir Nicholas Winton, um, who uh, appeared on a TV show called That's Life, uh, featuring Esther Ranson. Oh, this is all getting a bit linky. Um, Esther Ranson has recently been diagnosed with stage four lung cancer, and she's now being Esther Ranson. She she was she invented Childline. She founded Childline. Mm -hmm. um which is a children's charity in the united kingdom and then she invented or founded uh silverline which is a charity to help um elderly people uh she was a campaigning journalist and she was the producer and presenter by accident of that's life which is a show uh of the era when everybody watched the same tv so it was yeah on a, at the same a sunday time night on the sofa week. Yeah, we all, you know, you knew that on Monday everybody would be talking about That's Life on, on Sunday. Uh, and she, I think what I admire most about the clip that I've done on Sir Nicholas Winton is is the effort she went to um, to set it up. And Nick Winton was a stockbroker who in the late 30s was uh, on his way to go skiing and went uh, for one reason or another via Prague, um, where he became aware of the Jews being rounded up into the ghetto. Um, and on the spot, he invented a charity called the, um, I can't remember the, I don't know, Rescue of Jewish Children or something. Um, and off his own bat, with his own funds, organized. Uh, several trains to to get the children out of occupied Czech Republic. It was occupied by, by um, Nazi Germany uh, and took those kids to the UK where they were fostered and ultimately tragically adopted uh, because their parents were, were never to be seen again. Um, and she organised to have the audience I'm oh. I'm tearing up as I say it. Yeah, uh, I've seen this. Full of um, people. So the line that she uses is, "And uh, is there anyone in the audience who owes their life to uh, to Nicholas Winton?" And pretty much three rows stand up. He rescued, I think, six hundred and fifty children. Jeez. Um, and he's uh, he never really he shied away from credit, and uh, I mean he's. My link says heroism. <laughs> That's what I think yeah. heroism is. So there you go. That, that'll get the tear out. So I was obviously in a very weepy mood when I was doing all this. Um, <laughs> and then the next one for art, this was more recently, the Graham Norton show, TV show uh, in the UK, mm -hmm. late night on a Friday. So uh, probably not safe for work. I think the clip is actually. Um, and he's talking to Judy Dench, who some people will know from the James Bond movies. She played uh, M. Uh, great British actress, fantastic actress, uh, classical actress as well she's a lot of Shakespeare and Graham Norton is laughing away you know, she does very funny interviews and he was saying to he said well you know you do Shakespeare have you got you know any to hand um and she is sitting on the sofa at that point with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger um and uh, Jake Whitehouse um who's a sort of British comedian uh and he, he basically says, oh, it's like having a sort of Shakespeare jukebox. 
and <laughs> unprepared with no prompt, uh, Judy Dench recites um, Shakespeare Sonnet 22. Um, and it will blow your mind. <laughs> um, it, I mean, it's incredible. It, if you've always thought Shakespeare's a bit sort of inaccessible, listen to Judy Dench do it. Um, <laughs> and then wait for Schwarzenegger's line at the end. <laughs> that had me falling over. I mean, absolutely brilliant. Um, that's excellent. That is art. Right, lessons learned, teacher. Cool. This is it's getting very cerebral. Oh. This, this podcast. Well, these are these are your topic area. I feel like you're giving me an awful lot of credit for something you wrote. <laughs> I don't remember doing this. I can't remember what I had for <laughs> breakfast, teacher. So again, in the theme of stoicism, I was reading, uh, rereading Epictetus, and one of the ones that really stuck out to me, one of the quotes that I really enjoyed, was by Epictetus: "Everything has two handles." the one by which it may be carried, the other by which it cannot. And I think certainly since we last recorded, I'm learning to try the other handle and make it easier and stop trying to always do things the hard way. And I think there's a lot of different interpretations of that quote, but it's kind of like you can be annoyed at someone because they've done something wrong, or you can decide not to be annoyed at them because you clearly care about them like or because they're in your life. Mm. Otherwise. Why do you care what they think or what they do? Sure. So it's this, you can choose one of two decisions in almost every scenario. And I'm trying desperately <laughs> to figure out how to, to try the second one more often than not. And it's, it's hard because it's a lifetime of doing the instinctive reactive thing. And sometimes the least instinctive thing is the most beneficial. So being like, yeah, this is extremely annoying or very painful or tough or frustrating and the instinct is to be annoyed but the reality is that doesn't really do enough unless it's prompting action it kind of doesn't do anything so sure if you can learn to be okay okay yeah. all right and just <laughs> the other less <laughs> less kind of uh philosophical one is um <laughs> seen this instagram reel which for anyone over the age of 50 is basically just memes uh, on Instagram. Uh, <laughs> one of them was like, I'm done being upset over, over things. And now anytime something bad happens in my life, I'm just going to turn to whoever's with me and throw up some jazz hand just goes, that's showbiz. <laughs> which I think is a, a brilliant way of dealing with almost every problem. <laughs> uh, well, I saw, I saw a show last night with an alternative way of, of doing this. Okay? <laughs> it was, um, we went to see a Rat Pack um, tribute. Uh -huh. So Sammy Davis Jr., uh, Frank Sinatra, and um, Dean Martin. And famously for those shows, the originals, uh, Dean Martin was always, well, I mean, some would say, you know, the wrong side of a bottle of scotch. Others would say, you know, was, was exercising his, uh, you know, his métier, his passion. Um, and he used to do some quite cheesy sort of one-line jokes, a lot of mother-in-law jokes. Um, and his his punchline at the end of everyone, I'll drink to that. <laughs> and so um, clearly, most of my life, I've been um, un unadvisedly, unwittingly aping Dean Martin. <laughs> that is the title of your autobiography, isn't it? <laughs> well, I do, if only I could remember it. Please write it down somewhere. <laughs> Stick it in Evernote, sure, pal. Oh heavens. Yeah, but I'll never be able to get it out there. You, oh, there are many forums you can read all about that too. 
Um, all right, then. Oh, and you had one more. I, I was about to cut you off. Oh, God, yeah. This is this literally just occurred to me earlier when I was tidying up, um, just not long before we started recording, and I realized I've, I've become old. If I was on the cusp of becoming middle-aged, and I know you hate that term, but I will continue to use it <laughs> because I feel older than I am. Carry on, Charles. <laughs> I, was, I was tidying up and thought, the two most recent things I've spent my disposable income on was insoles and wiper blades. <laughs> I'm that boring. I'm 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 a middle-aged boring man because those are the things I spend money. I didn't buy anything silly. I didn't go <laughs> drinking. I didn't have any kind of part. I bought insoles and wiper blades. And I don't care what you say, neither of those is cool. But oh no, I mean insoles. You can't be insoles. What do they say? Never, 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 uh, never, never scrimp. scrimp on anything between you and the grind. Well, yeah, never scrimp on shoes or a mattress because if you're not in one, you're in the other. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> um, oh, I could do your mattress story, which goes back to your everything has two handles, actually. Mm. So, so Mrs. L has a really bad back. I think we've probably covered that yeah. way back when. Go back to episode boiler. Um, but, um, she recently persuaded me that whenever we go to the UK, we often stay in Premier Inns, which are, you know, they're, they're, they're top-notch five-star hotels. No, they're, they're cheap and cheerful hotels. Um, they're really nice and they have really nice beds. And she yeah. said, I always sleep really well. And I said, well, I've got good news for you. Um, if you go onto the website, you can buy a Premier Inn <laughs> bed or if you prefer just a Premier Inn mattress with mattress topper. She said, can you? I said, you can that's amazing. I said, one small problem is they only deliver to the UK. Oh, but if you're sure that this is the bed for you, that's going to help you sleep, it's going to help with your back, we will get it delivered to the removals company that we used. We will do a deal with them and they'll slip it onto somebody else's container. We will pay customs duty when they land it in Cyprus. We will pay basically the boat ticket we will pay vat not once but twice <laughs> once in the uk and once here and you will have that exact mattress and this morning she said to me i don't like it, it still hurts my back oh, yeah <laughs> and i thought okay one handle is you lunatic woman <laughs> why didn't you think of this before and the other handle is, my wife's got a really bad back. And you tried. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to keep trying until we find yeah. some way of making you feel better. That's <laughs> the other handle. Um, which I'm, I had no idea that's what you meant when you wrote it. And I'm very glad you did, actually, because I think it's a very good idea. Yeah. It's a nice way of approaching life. Uh, so I wrote, our need will be the creator, which was Plato. Um, although mm. he would have probably said it in Greek, which I'm not going to attempt. Um, more <laughs> commonly in English now, we, we we would say necessity is the mother of invention, which I think is very nicely put. Yeah. Um, and the reason this came up to me was that I I had a very vague notion that my MBA um, uh, dissertations of what it's a business project formally, but it's a dissertation. Uh, I knew it had to be in in um, January 24th. And so I've done the, um, the sort of research, or actually the research has been done over several years. I'm just accessing um, 
some sort of private research. And I've done interviews with um, with people in the the market sort of segment that I'm I'm talking about. So that's done. I thought, okay, well, I'll give myself pretty much three weeks in the new year to do the write up, um, writing, talking. I mean, these are things that people will be aware. I'm not afraid of my own voice. Um, <laughs> that's not going to be a problem. And just as a sort of passing fancy, um, as I was putting together all the sort of travel plans and all the logistics and all that, I thought, oh, look, I better just get a hold of all this stuff. What needs to be done when, what order? So let's have a look at that business project thing. Uh, oh, no, 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 not January 24th, January 24th, <laughs> the year, uh, the 9th. <laughs> Like two weeks from now. <laughs> well, effectively, yeah, two weeks. I mean, when I made the discovery, I think it was five weeks. But one of those weeks I'm traveling, the other week is yep. Christmas week. Yeah. Right. Oh, <laughs> 15,000 words, three weeks, effectively. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> the thing, the thing that uh, I, I discovered that, okay, I am back against the wall here. I am behind the eight ball pick your <laughs> pick your meme um and suddenly i just got really really focused and i said okay so i i i binned golf i cancelled all my sort of commitments that were not firm firm uh freed up time in the diary broke the the whole thing down into small tasks i've got to do that and then do this and then do that and from that will come this and come that and so i put them into a planner this is what i was talking about uh, the william hannah stuff before mm-hmm. um i started mm-hmm. journaling so at the end of each day, I would assess where I was, what did I need to do for tomorrow, and all of that engages your subconscious. And it's all really, really good stuff that you and I have talked about for ever and ever and a day. And suddenly I started doing it, and guess what? Dissertation is finished. Boom. Done. <laughs> I'm, well, it's weird when I do the things I said would work. It, it, it works. works. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm currently just going through some edit stuff, and I'm actually thinking that I'll probably submit it before christmas just just to say get it out of your hair yeah rather than sort of revisiting it after the new year going oh maybe i should change all the uh, the the us's for u.s. dot s dot oh yeah honestly the sort of nonsense you get into when you do one of these things um maybe my asterisks could be little stars maybe <laughs> that would be better exactly <laughs> the stuff you get into and it's like acronyms oh acronyms and abbreviations oh uh, the harvard referencing system you say right let's have a look at that shall we um and then you get sort of pieces of advice where you, you say to people um or they say you should always write out acronyms you know in formal writing you should avoid acronyms basically <laughs> good luck in computer science <laughs> well i'm thinking all right okay and then unless i go ah here we go the acronym is more familiar than the full name. And, and so, I, so I had to do some tests. <laughs> right, Mrs. Lennon. FBI. What does that stand for? Um, uh, blah, blah. I said, do you know what the FBI is? Yeah, yeah, it's a police force in America. It's like, it's like the big one that covers the whole country. Okay, so clearly don't abbreviate. Tick. FBI. <laughs> um, so, honestly, I'm going through all this and I'm thinking, actually, because when you get down to the rules, this is what another tangent. I, I must stop going on tangents. But you should abbreviate United States to U.S. Okay? That's in uh, APA, which 
uh, American Psychology Association, I think, mm-hmm. um, Harvard referencing, all of that, U dot S dot, that's the United States. So US law, U dot S dot law. Okay, got it. However, UK is UK. United Kingdom, UK, no dots. It's the difference between states and kingdoms too, obviously. That, that, surely that was an entire paragraph but, unto itself clarifying. But TJ, put them both in the same sentence. You go, no, no, no. That just looks wrong. <laughs> it looks horrible. I can't read the US it. and uck. Yeah, no, no, stop it. I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to stick with it. And <laughs> APA, Harvard, be damned. Whoosh. And then I'm sitting there going, why am I thinking about this? Perhaps consider the quality of your ideas, Stuart, rather than the... Punctuation. He's written absolute drivel, but he did get those periods yeah. in the right place. So the I think he probably was has to <laughs> die for you know. Um, so, uh, and so the other thing that I, I guess, my lesson would be learned is that a task manager is like the road ahead. Uh, absolutely no use whatsoever unless you look at it from time to time. Yep. <sighs> oh, there we are. <laughs> Lessons learned. <laughs> Right, so Marvels. Let's finish on a high, TJ. Finish on a high. Marvels. Mm. Well, the, the the Marvel I have and the one that has been sort of my dedication and what I've been spending my time and my joy and my energy on is my daughter, Athena, who in November of this year, we're recording this on the 20th of December, peek behind the curtain, on the 24th of November, she turned one. One-year-old. I am the father of a one-year-old. If that, if the, the wiper blades didn't make me feel old, Stuart, the daughter does. <laughs> oh. Cosgrove's old enough to have children. I mean, imagine how that feels. Good Lord. Yeah. I mean, she is incredible. It's such, such a wonderful journey so far. We're both enjoying it. She is an absolute joy. There's, there's so much I could talk for hours on parenting and fatherhood and not that i know anything with any kind of authority just that i'm enjoying the the journey but um yeah in a year where you know the last two years i lost both my parents which is really really hard but becoming a parent and seeing the inverse side of that and having to sort of channel that grief and loss into something positive because it's important to me that i'm there for her it's really meaningful in a lovely lovely wonderful way that i can choose to to take the lessons i've learned and apply them in a positive way so yeah this last year has been amazing just from her alone just Mm. learning to be who i am as a dad not just as me because it's a very different chapter in life and i'm really enjoying who i'm becoming doing that well i mean thanks for leaving me some room i mean (laughs) (laughs) how do you follow that i mean that's fantastic i mean it it has obviously from a distance um all the listeners and and me have been feeling for the sort of sudden rain of blows that fell upon you mm. um but you've come through as i think we all knew you would and uh, you've got the wonderful wonderful gift of athena and of course i can say it um the most understanding wife in the world oh yeah yes <laughs> I mean, how she copes, ladies and gentlemen, is something that will become a matter of study in the future. Um, the awesome Meg. Um, yeah, listen, I can't follow that. I mean, it's it's brilliant. I don't, one-year-old Athena. Fantastic. I know. I Good know. Lord. 
Oh, she'll soon be. Oh, she'll be soon be taking driving lessons. Um, <laughs> Self-driving cars, pal. Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, well, uh, everybody I hear who has any idea about that goes, mm, no, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't count on it. Not what you're alive, fat boy. Oh, oh, <laughs> thanks very much. Um, I can't follow it, but I, I am going to say, look, as we record now, the twentieth of December, within within fourteen days, my mum will celebrate her eightieth birthday. God willing. All things being hey. equal, uh, and yeah. um, uh, Mrs. L and I will be there to uh, to do it with her. We should be going uh, out to the pub, um, which is always a little bit of a mixed place. My mum's birthday is the first of January, <laughs> um, where pubs are empty. Everybody's trying to be good. It, well, yeah, but also the the, the bar staff are hanging, <laughs> and they look at you and go, "Oh, what are you? Why are you here?" <laughs> hi we'd just like to have a little sort of you know jolly part should we be quiet right we'll be very quiet okay good um and also it's why it's where i learned to i mean you you can meet me and i may have stopped drinking a mere 90 minutes ago from the night before but i will come across as sober and i learned this because i was not allowed to be hung over on new year's day And so my father taught me very much all of the skills required to pass myself off as so. <laughs> but there you go. Um, and I have one more marvel, which is um, mm. get to talk to TJ again. That's been absolutely yeah. fantastic. It's been brilliant. And as a consequence, it's gone on for far too long. But um, <laughs> my apologies to the editor. <clears throat> mm. um, and yes, well, I mean... Pfft. TJ, what, what happens from here? Do we leave it another six months till we speak again? I reckon we could talk sooner than that. I've enjoyed catching up. It's been nice to have a, a fellow uh, strange person to talk about all these very, very small, strange, esoteric things with. So uh, I reckon we'll be talking sooner than that. Well, indeed. And uh, to everybody listening, obviously, make sure you follow all those links. Um, I'm going to, I mean, shower beer at the beaches. How, how, can, you, how can you not? Oh. <laughs> Well, I've been Stu Lennon. And I've been TJ Cosgrove. Remember to make the past, the present, in the future. This was an episode, finally, of 1857. Ho, ho, ho!